1: John Aloisi, Thomas Sorensen We have a stellar Gagapod for you today Headlined of course by the Champions League action this week But lots of talky points from around the world of football And some great stories from back in the day Including what is it really like on a cold wet, windy night at Stoke Thomas Sorensen reveals all David Wiener with you once again Can't wait for this episode, let's get started John, Thomas, great morning. Good to be here. Great to see you. John, we've seen you a fair bit recently, so we'll give a warm welcome back to (laughs) Thomas, who's been gallivanting around the world, riding bikes, going to NFL games. have you
2: been? No, I've been good, Uh, but it's nice to be back uh, in a soccer environment. You know, it's uh, something that you miss when you you get out of it, and the season is in full swing, so I'm happy to be back. Super stuff. Great to have you. And John... uh,
1: We've watched enough football the last couple of weeks together. What did you make of today's fair, headlined by Tottenham's big win over Red Star Belgrade?
3: It was a good morning of football. A lot of goals, and uh, the big one was to see how Tottenham reacted after the turbulent three weeks they probably had. You know, since the the Bayern Munich seven-two uh, loss at home and uh, important win, great performance, and a lot of goals for Tottenham.
1: Big teams playing across the field. It's, it was, we'll get to uh, all of that shortly. But what have you made tot- uh, on Tottenham, Thomas? We haven't heard your thoughts on that. It's been a really bizarre season. Um, and uh, Mauricio Pochettino feeling the pressure. What have you made of it?
2: No, you, you sort of, when you look from the outside, you, you wonder what goes on behind closed doors because you, you hear about players wanting to leave, not getting their re- contracts renewed. Uh, and it just seems like where last year everyone was pulling or at Pochettino got everyone to pull in the same direction, and that's so important for success. And this year, you got players with different agendas, and uh, it hasn't quite worked. And you sometimes look at the games, and you, you you sort of question the desire. Sometimes, maybe just that little bit of desire to chase back, or you know, just put your body on the line. And, and there's just been some players that hasn't played to the same level, and it only takes a few players not to do that for for the whole thing to. To, to not go as planned, and, and, and so far, you know, probably well until today where they put in a good performance, um, you know, it, it hasn't quite worked.
1: We spoke on the post-game show today about the confidence the players might take going into the weekend's blockbuster against Liverpool, but what do you read of it as a fan seeing that Tottenham's intensity did come back? Do you go, oh, okay, so these guys are still with the coach here, or, or is that reading too much into it? I think that uh, you could see by today that they're still
3: with the coach. And he made a big call, you know, dropping Alderwood. I uh, didn't pronounce it. Alderweireld. Alderweireld, Ald- 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 yeah. And then uh, and Rose. And I think that was a, a good call because they've been struggling defensively. And um, and for Pochettino to do that, he knew he had to do something different um, to, to gain probably also respect from the players because if you keep on playing those players that aren't performing aren't that happy at the club, then the players start to question what he's doing. I think that uh, today they showed they're with him. They still think that there's a lot to play for this season, which there is in the Champions League and also in the league.
2: Yeah, and Arthur, he's, he's always taken the, you know, in the media, he's he stood up with the team behind him. You know, he's taken a flack from, from media and, and, and people, mm-hmm. fans and everything. And, uh, you know, that that's, you know, I think, as you say, that the players will... will, will Came back in, in that respect but also I think at some point even though you you know you have players that over the years have done really well for you you have to get to a point where you know for the sake of the whole team if they're not performing you have to drop them and I, th- I think you know today was a sign that he, he dropped out of Errol and Rose and and let a, a couple of other players in and gave them a chance and, and it worked and and hopefully that will send a message.
1: Body language John as a coach how difficult is it to contain
2: your emotions
1: and then but when you've got a press conference that you know is coming, so it's not a, it's not a post game sort of uh, flash zone where you're under the heat at the moment. When you have got a press conference that you know that's coming, and Pochettino is sort of agitated the way he has, can you, what do you read into that? What, what do you do as a coach approaching those types of moments? And then how do you, with that in mind, how do you read his behaviour? I thought
3: that his behaviour after uh, or uh, one of the games, I think it was uh, the game against Watford, was a little bit. You could see that he was a. Um, feeling the stress and, and nerves because he's, he's quite good. He's quite relaxed than normally in his press conferences. I thought before this game against Red Star, his press conference yesterday was very good. I, I, I saw a calm Pochettino. He probably also saw in training. He saw the, the intensity back in training. So he got a lift from that. The, the, a lot of the time he will see things day in, day out that we don't see. So probably when you are a little bit on uh, on edge, uh, maybe he could see that there, there was unrest within the squad. But uh, you know, and and you, you felt that in the game today, he didn't get overexcited during the game when they were scoring goals. He was a relaxed, uh, calm figure on the sideline, and um, I think that he's handled the pressure relatively well, considering there's been a lot of pressure since that Bayern Munich loss.
1: A lot on it. What's going on with Christian Eriksen
2: though? <laughs> Yeah no he, he, yeah again there was a whole debacle um, over the summer uh, and and he even w- was quoted I think away on international duty that he wanted to leave and and was disappointed that he couldn't um, you know but he needs to realize now he's he's there at least to to January and and uh, he needs to you know get back in the team and uh, you know obviously he had a a knock at you know, in the last international game and hasn't sort of been quite fit. But uh, they need him, I think. Uh, but he needs to get his, his mind right. He needs to forget all about transfer talks and, and whatever plans he, he feels uh, and where he wants to go in the future. He needs to do a job for Tottenham and, and help the team and help himself. And uh, that how, is,
3: how hard is that going to be? Especially there's still talk in January that Real Madrid are going to come in for him. It, it, it's it's not easy to put it at the back of your mind, especially there's only really a, a month or two left before that uh, transfer uh, comes into play again, so it's not an easy one for Erikson.
2: No, it's not, and um, you know, again, he's had. I know, uh, you know, he's had transfer, to, like so, not trying to contract talks with with Tottenham, and uh, they haven't been able to work out a deal. So there's probably a little bit of friction there. Um, you know, I think he's probably um, okay with Pochettino, but but it, it's it's always you know, even you know, being in the dressing room as a, as another player, you know, someone who's thinking of leaving. You know, you sort of already start to push them a bit to the side because you know they're not going to be part of the, the long-term future and, and that's where you're trying to build towards. So it'll be tough for him um, and he needs to come in. and He needs to come in with a bang, you know, when he gets back in because otherwise the critics will, will be there straight away. What's the coverage been of that
1: situation back home? Um, and uh, if you were to give him some advice, if the
2: Real Madrid interest firms in January, what would you do if you were him? you know i i again he you no know, he's he's done a great job for like, if you look at it sort of objectively he's done a great job for 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 tottenham and and um you know again i think it is time for him to move on i think he has the ability to go to a, a big bigger big big bigger club if you want uh like real madrid on paper at least um you know go there and 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 see where he where he can end up um you know and he wants to win a champions league i know they were close last year but they're not really close to a premiership tottenham so so for him you know, I understand it, but there's just ways to go about it. You know, I think the, it was it was wrong for him to come out and and sort of publicly de- declare that he wanted to leave and he was disappointed with Tottenham that they wouldn't le- let him go or demanded too much money. Uh, in Denmark, you know they're obviously excited if they, you know, they would want a player at Real Madrid. Of course, we had Graves in there many, many years ago. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it's a bit of a two-edged sword. You know, they they would want him, but also I think there's ways to go about it. Okay, we'll watch this space. That's not going to go away. We'll talk a little bit more about that big game against Liverpool
1: on the weekend on Monday morning. A little bit later in the show, we'll, we'll go from Real Madrid to Real Madrid. Um, one new win this morning at Galatasaray. A tough place to play, but geez, they could have done it a bit more comfortably in the end.
3: Much more improved performance, though, in, in terms of the way they played. And um, they created a lot of chances. They had 27 shots on goal. Um, and they had Rodrigo, young Brazilian, that came into the side first appearance in the Champions League. He looks uh, like a, a real talent. Uh, Hazard looks his old self, even though he didn't get it on the score sheet, uh, score sheet. And, you know, I, I actually think that um, after a disappointing loss to Mallorca uh, on the weekend, good result tough place to go and and they, they they are now in a position that they should get through the group
1: i tell you what you, the pressure in Spain well the pressure everywhere but particularly in Spain with all their papers Marca's headline ahead of the weekend again of the game on Hazard was it's his final what's it <laughs> he's been yeah. there three four months well <laughs> the, that,
3: that, that, that just goes to show you look they have to fill up space uh, either they've got a us uh, you know the, that meant the sport in in Barcelona and and all it is, is really about Real Madrid and Barcelona. So they have to fill up some space. And even Zidane's come out and he said, look, the talk of Mourinho coming here, uh, I... I Brush it to one side, but of course it does affect me. You know, I, I'm here to coach Real Madrid, and I don't want to be hearing every day that Mourinho's coming. But um, he's he's another one that knows how to deal with pressure because he's been at Real Madrid first as a player, now as a coach. Altogether, about 18 years, yeah. he knows what it's like. But it, it can get it can get a bit too much. <laughs>
2: yeah, and talk about <laughs> pressure. I think that was one of the positives as well. They kept a the clean sheet. Uh Quattro actually early in the game had two really, really good saves. Um so that'll do him a lot of confidence. He's both keepers have really been you know under a bit of scrutiny there and uh it's a tough place as you say, the pressure. You know, again Hassad top world class player and after three months they're <laughs> they're putting his neck on the you know, his head on the block. You know, it, it's 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 hard and, and when the results are not going and Sidan knows that, you know, it, it it's probably the worst place to be. While we're talking about Real Madrid, we'll touch on Barcelona now anyway because obviously the, the Mallorca
1: defeat flipped the table around. Um, despite all the hysteria in the start of the season about crisis and this, it's going to be a pretty compelling title race, isn't it? crisis, there's always
3: crisis at uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid if you drop a point so you, they did start the season badly, uh, Barcelona they, they um, lost their first game against Athletic Bilbao, then they couldn't win away from home, they're, they're still strong at home and so this win against Abar on the weekend um, shows that they're, they're going to be a team still And uh, because that's a hard place to go, small pitch a-bar pressure a lot and so to play through the lines is not an easy place to go. They did it well and MSG, Messi, Suarez and Griezmann, they, they're starting to click and that was always going to happen. Valverde came out the other day and said, look, good players learn to play with each other and they find each other and uh, and Griezmann, will, it's taken him a little bit of time to settle in but once you settle into uh, that team there and De Jong... Yeah, He's actually improving each game. Um, I, I think that Barcelona, I still think they're a little bit uh, in defence. They will struggle a little bit, but um, they, they're coming strong again.
1: What uh, I'm just trying to get my head around El Clasico getting cancelled. H- how extraordinary is that? Obviously, there's a bit of political uh, unrest and implications for that, but um, what a staggering twist
2: in the season. Yeah, no, obviously... Those are the games, the biggest games, not just in Spain but around the world, and and that's a pretty big decision to to to, to cancel. Um, you know, we will see what where it sort of goes and 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 how it ends up, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm disappointed as a as a viewer. Absolutely, you know. yeah. Absolutely.
3: I don't think it was. Um I don't think they they had to jump the gun so early and and cancel. I know there has been political unrest, especially uh, with what's happened in Barcelona and Catalonia with the the arrests and and the sentencing of uh, some of their leaders, but did they really need to cancel such a big game? And and then plus, you know when you reschedule, they still haven't set a date, but if you reschedule, there might be a team in certain form and a team that's in less form, there might be some injuries, so it, it Oh, you know, It would have been great for it to be this week. It isn't. Now we have to wait till whenever they schedule it again.
1: Astonishing stuff. I was trying to explain it to someone. And I said, well, imagine cancelling the NRL and AFL Grand Finals one week out, putting him together, sending it around the planet. It's quite quite remarkable. So we'll see what date they reschedule that to. Um, that gives Atletico Madrid the chance to, to kick on this weekend. Really a typical win today against Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Leverkusen had so much... Uh, of the ball, played some really nice football, but Alvaro Morata comes off the bench, scores, becomes the first person to score for Real and Atletico in the Champions League. They're pretty sweet in this group, but given their recent form, so many draws, they kind of needed this, didn't they? They
3: did. We thought at the beginning of the season, with the signings they made with Jael Felix, who started the season well, um, that they were going to be a team that would really challenge uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid this season. They're not quite there yet. They... Finding it very hard to score goals, uh, they're, they're not creating a lot of chances. It's it's not really unlike a Simeone side to be very good defensively and and you know wait for a bit of brilliance to, to win a game and and this morning uh, one nil uh, against by Leverkusen, but uh, I think the league title is going to be hard for them because they're they're, they're, not, they're finding it hard to win games in the Spanish league.
1: Diego Costa is not quite where they hoped he would be, and they've had I think three nil all draws in the last half a dozen games. Which has had four or five draws itself. Uh, good to see Morata scoring, but Diego Costa is a bit short of a gallop
2: by the looks of it. Yeah, he's he's always up for headline, but it's not always uh, the goal scoring ones. And and I think that's where he needs uh, needs to get to. You know, he's obviously a handful. You know, I played against him a few times. He, he's he's a bit of a, a you know horrible. He always you know he's a bit of a nasty player up front. And, and what gets was the stuck dirtiest trick he played uh, when you were seeing? You know, I think he knocked uh, Peter Crouch's uh, teeth out. For, like, <laughs> I think he, he had about six or seven teeth out uh, <laughs> off the well, ball with an um, elbow. Yeah, off the ball, wow. um, and uh, you know he, he needs that wires in his mouth and, oh, uh, to get it back. Um, that's but, but again, that that also makes him good. You know, he has he has that fire. You know, has that de- determination. Um, but uh, he so just seems to be sort of half a step too, you know, too late at the moment, and uh, he needs to get back into form because, you know, as you're saying, that they are struggling for goals and and uh, they're not creating that many chances.
1: They miss Griezmann. Everyone knew they would miss Griezmann, but. You're seeing that probably more in the things that people may, maybe take for granted of a player, that they might be missing more than they, people realise?
3: Yeah, I didn't think they would miss him this much. Uh, they definitely uh, are missing, you know, when when, it, when it's a tight game, Griezmann was able to come up with some brilliance and, and score a goal or set up a, a goal. Um, the only thing is about Costa is that he's a goal scorer. Once he does start to find the back of the net, they'll, they'll start to come freely again, I, Uh, recall that he missed a sitter only a couple of weeks ago against Lokomotiv Moscow right in front of goals. That was a good one. Yeah and uh, and so you know that his confidence is a little bit low in front of goals but once he does find the back of the net like Morata they will score goals. Um, Joel Felix shouldn't be out for too long with his ankle injury. They still have quality to cause uh, top teams a lot of problems.
1: What else caught your fancy this morning? So looked up at one point and went across six or seven sport channels. We had Atletico Madrid, PSG, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Manchester City all playing at once. It's really quite a treat. Uh, PSG beat Club Rouge 5-0 in Belgium. Um, Olympiacos 2, Bayern Munich 3, Manchester City 5, Atalanta 1, Juventus 2, Lokomotiv Moscow 1. What, what was your pick out of, uh, out of the rest of the action?
2: You know, probably uh, Juventus going to the wire and, and Dybala coming up with the goods uh, you know you you know he's you know probably not the main man there and, and uh, you know for him that was hugely important and he shows it, you know how important it is for that team to unlock you know Ronaldo had his chances didn't quite work um, you know again it, it sort of seemed like they lacked a little bit and, and you know great first goal strike from outside the area and uh, he lurked at the back post on the second one and yeah you know that that was the turning point for for them and he came up with a I
3: can't go past uh, PSG. Uh, not an easy place to go to, to Bruges and, and win so comfortably, win 5 0. Mbappe back. He was back on the weekend for the first time, came on and scored a goal. Um, and now he's, uh, he's he found three this morning. Uh, Icardi's finding form. And they still got Cavani to come in, they still got Neymar to come in. What a squad they have. Um, and, you know, they've gone under the radar a little bit because of the whole Neymar yeah. saga and the, the whole issue about Neymar wanting to leave and the crowd against him. Um, I think that is doing a good job and, uh, you know, they still will win the um, Ligue comfortably. And how far can they go in the Champions League? You need a little bit of luck, we know that. But they've got players to do it
1: a stunning dressing room to try and uh, try and balance but what happens when a Neymar comes back or a Cavani comes back I mean Angel Di Maria's form at the moment is irrepressible um, can you fit more than
2: three of them in? <laughs> you know again it, it'll be a I think a, something tactical he needs to find a solution or somebody needs to be disappointed and he needs to man manage whatever the outcome uh, you know we're you know I think Neymar has shown that he can be a bit of a distraction and is not afraid of uh, uttering his uh, desires and where he wants to go so you know that, that I think you know they'll look at the situation and if they feel they have a really really good group uh, and they've got a take of maybe for Neymar in January that they're willing to pay the price you know maybe that's the right decision but uh, you know you you need to you need to know what's going on on the inside you know, Neymar might be pulling the right direction, might be doing his bit and, and you keep him there and he's obviously if we know what, what a player he is.
3: Yeah, look, I, I still think that you can fit them in. Um, I still think Neymar can also play just behind the main striker um, and then you've got Mbappe on one side Di Maria on the other side the only problem is you can't fit then Icardi and Cavani together they're the, and they're two natural goal scorers but um, it's a good problem to have even though it's a Difficult one because they've it's a, a, a changing
1: room of egos. Oh yeah. So speaking of which, though, just to touch back on uh, a point from earlier, changing room of egos, balancing people, DiBala. What do you put that down to? Exceptional personality from the Argentine to stick it out when the club clearly wanted him to go, or Mauricio Sari somehow managed to get him back on side. But it's a pretty exceptional comeback from. I think
3: Sari. From. I I actually think uh, Sari must have had a word with him. Um, during the off-season, during the pre-season when there was talk about Tottenham, there was talk about Manchester United because he didn't play him at the start but you could still see Dybala was actually um, still uh, wanting to come in and do well. Um, he, he hasn't, he's, he's even when I, I saw him one uh, time on, on the sideline we was warming up and, and Juventus scored a goal and he celebrated like he was still part of it. So Saris made him feel part of it. The good thing in Italy is that as a manager coach, you can actually say the transfer um, scenario or or want to get rid of players or bring players in, has got nothing to do with me. It's the football director. So he could sort of use that to his advantage, whereas in England it's a little bit different and usually the manager's the one that decides on players staying or going. Um, But Sadi's done a good job and Dybala looks like he's... uh, Back to his best, if
1: not better. Yeah, exceptional goal to draw them level this morning as well. Uh, for those listening on your Wednesday commute, of course there's a feast still to come on Thursday with RB Leipzig and Zen St Petersburg and Ajax against Chelsea. That's a tasty game. That's the early game on Thursday, three fifty five AM kickoff. Six o'clock, Salzburg, Napoli, Genk, Liverpool, Benfica, Olympic Leon, Slavia, Prague, Barcelona, Lille, Valencia, and the main game, Thomas Inter Milan versus Borussia
2: Dortmund. Not just a great game on its own right.
1: Huge implications for a really tight group.
2: Yeah, you know, obviously on paper the two top teams uh you know, Dortmund uh, probably in a better position can can do with a draw. Inter needs to to win, and uh, you know it, it's you know Inter has been bit bit up and down, um, and you know Dortmund. I think they are are they leading the Bundesliga. Oh it's, no, it's oh, t- so, so tight.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. they're not <coughs> leading at the moment, but there's. Uh, Two points and nine teams uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's you know, it's a tight comp
2: you know and, and you know they've always been great away from home you know they they're very good on a counter attack, I think Sancho is back yep. you know so that that'll be a, a huge bonus for them, you know his pace and, and his one on one ability. So it would be a test for Inter, uh, and I think at home they, they need to be looking for the three points. You looking forward to this one?
3: Yeah, can't wait, because we, we see Barcelona have actually... Um, they're starting to hit form, so one of the big teams are going to miss out, the group of death. Um, Inter Milan actually need to win this one... For for any chance of getting through this round.
1: We'll look forward to another massive morning there. One team we will see is Liverpool travel to Genk in Belgium. Unfortunately, as we know, Danny Vukovic is injured and is missing their campaign. But that'll be an interesting test for them because if we turn our attention to a few Premier League matters, it was a really interesting result that won all against Manchester United because, oh, what a moment for Liverpool to go to Old Trafford and equal that record of consecutive wins. They couldn't quite grasp it. And a few questions are now being asked about that performance and whether there's anything
2: that we can read into ways to stop Jurgen Klopp's side. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Solskjaer had had a good game plan. You know, um, you know, playing with three centre-halves and then, you know, covering the, the, the full-back runs because a lot of, you know, Liverpool's chances come from, you know, from Trent Arnold and, and Robertson crosses in and uh, second balls from there. And, and they, uh, you know, they had a man and they pushed out and, and more or less... Nullified them in in the first half, um, and and that gave and they, uh, the way Liverpool played, they push so many players forward, and that gave United the chances to find the space with Rashford, uh, Fred dropping in, in a, as a false nine, and 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 really, you know, turn it on on his head. I think club wisely changed in the second half, and that also changed the game a bit. I think you you know Liverpool came came stronger and and could potentially have, have won the game, but yeah, it, it might be a blueprint for 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 other teams to. Uh, to exploit and, and, and definitely shut that down on, on, on the flanks.
3: Very hard to perform at your best week in, week out. And, and not only that, they got Champions League and uh, plus they got so many internationals that they go play for their, their national team. So, look, Liverpool are still a side even when they're not playing at their best are getting results. And that's important if you want to be challenging for the league title. I wouldn't read too much into this result. It's always one of those... Uh, you know derby games that uh, the, the hatred between the two sides. Manchester United lift their crowd, lift difficult place, um, but the, the game did suit Man United uh, uh, quite a bit because they are able to defend deep and then try and catch on the counter with their pace, and and that suits United. It, where it's harder for United is when a team sits off of them and they have to try and break them down. I don't think at the moment they got the quality to do that.
1: Well, we'll see that against Partizan on Friday morning in the Europa League, won't we? Whether they do have that quality. A do they? But B, this was just the kind of at least minimum result they needed, wasn't it? And Olegan has bought himself some time.
2: Yeah, he's under until actually. next week. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. only week to week. Uh, you know but I even think you know it's 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 hard to 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 go down to to Serbia. You know, it's, you know the atmosphere is going to be really really um, intense, and um, you know they they're strong at home, so it's not going to be a given. But again, I think they they can. Take a little bit of a uh, defensive, you know, at least from formation and, and use their, their space and, and, and the, the the pace they have for up front to create chances. I, I don't think they'll be needing to to really pressure Partizan because they'll be coming forward anyway. Uh, I think it'd be more, you know, when we get into the Premier League, when they're playing the mid-table, bottom sides, and, and, and that's where the big test is, uh, like Johnny said. Like, that's where they, they need to show... More quality. In a way, the pressure is actually... The Liverpool, Liverpool game was
1: a bonus. Norwich coming up. and I think they've also got Sheffield United, Brighton. You don't want to say that's their level, but literally on the table at the moment, that's their level. They're almost the bigger test. And then Solsoy can probably bob his head up after that or not.
3: That's the big test, is uh, winning those games. Because they... Have to win those games if they want to climb the table, and uh, and their teams like especially Sheffield United, their teams that that they do know how to sit deep and defend and defend well, like they did against Arsenal. Um, so you know Man, Man United has to try and break them down. I still think they need Pogba back in. He's been out injured for a little bit. I think that he'll give them something if he's in form that could unlock. Uh, deep-lying defences, but uh, it, it, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be a big test for them. Partizan 1 is, but the Premier League is where they have to start winning games.
1: Yeah, watch this space. We'll chat a little bit more. we we'll look ahead to Liverpool versus Tottenham at the end of the show. Right, EO, then. Give us an answer. You just mentioned Arsenal, uh, John. So my question to you, Thomas, as we finish this sentence, is being an Arsenal supporter right now must be...
2: Frustrating.
0: It's it's
2: you don't know what you're gonna get. Uh, it's very inconsistent. Uh, sometimes you, you sort of you know I actually got in trouble a fair few years ago when when we played them with Stoke and we we always used to hammer them at at Stoke. And we always lost it all uh, at at, uh, at the Emirates and and that was a pretty good uh, view. And I, I questioned their sort of you know spine a little bit. Like the, the you know you could just see in a in a tunnel that they. They already, you know, didn't quite fancy it. Like oh, yeah, it was a bit windy, uh, yeah. And and we, ne- I never felt that when we played United or Chelsea. Uh, you know, they were up for the fight, and Arsenal's. You know, it just seems to have been something that's ingrained in them, and still is. You know, they've changed managers, changed players. It's, but it's still there. It's incredible because when they had
3: uh, Vieira in the side and 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 that that team there when the, the Invincibles, you knew that they could go away to a Stoke to Sheffield United and still grind out a result and and I mentioned before the weekend that uh, this is a test for Arsenal to go to Sheffield United and go get a result like Liverpool did Liverpool didn't play well they didn't play at their best but they won and uh, and Arsenal didn't come through that and and I agree with you I think that they just away from home uh, when it's a tough uh, team that don't play the style of football they like to play against. Um, you know, we know how strong they are at the Emirates. They've got ball-playing players, but I still think they've got players to, to go win away from home. Can they find that player to actually make them a stronger uh, a team in the midfield? I think it's their midfield. I, yeah, I, sure. I really do. I think their midfield struggles to deal with, let's grind out a result, where that doesn't happen with the Liverpool.
1: How does that change? Because they've just made Granite Xhaka the captain. So how does that actually change?
3: Well, he's the one that has to lead them. Um, you know, I, I saw his interview after the game and, you know, it was a little bit... Uh, and, and look, his interviews are interviews. You, you, you are emotional after a game, but he was quite sharp in his answers. But he has to be the one that actually leads his team because he's the, the driving force in the midfield.
2: But, yeah. yeah, I saw a, was a quote from Everett that <laughs> been yeah. on Sky Sports yeah. saying that, you know, making him a captain that that's, um, sums it all up i, I don't know shaka personally uh, i don't know what his character is, but you know if, if that's the case you know you you want you want you know the, the that's an important position you know, like someone who can drive the team and uh, yeah he needs to step up and and lead uh, lead especially in those tough moments away from home where you know it's it's maybe not going your way
3: the so. only thing is who is their leader if if it's not Xhaka which I don't know, again, what he's like in the changing room, uh, how respected he is with his teammates, how much Emery counts on him, because there's certain players that will do a job for a coach, whatever the coach wants, and and they lead by example. Um,
1: But other than that, I don't know if they've got a leader in their side. David Luiz, one of their experienced centre-backs. Guendouzi, young. Ceballos, Ozil, creative players, nowhere to be seen. Aubameyang is up by himself all the way up the other end of the field isolated the ball in the weekend, stuck for options.
3: Yeah, oh look, I look, I actually think that's an issue. When you talk about top teams, you talk about leaders in their team. You know, you talk about Liverpool, you talk about Van Dijk, you talk about Henderson, you talk about Milner. They're your leaders in your team, and that's why they're able to, to win uh, titles and win tough games. And, uh, you know, City have missed company, I think. Um, not only on the pitch but I think around the place because he had, he was such an imposing figure plus he'd been at the club for a long period of time um, and, and they've noticed that this season so far. Uh, in Spain at Real Madrid, you got Sergio Ramos. They will always front up when things aren't going well and, and he will actually drive his team and the club to unite because there's so much pressure as we know in Spain. At um, at Barcelona, you know, you've got PK, you've got Messi. Uh, you've got these players. Arsenal haven't got that. Mm. Arsenal can't think they're going to challenge for a title, and I mean a title, I mean the Premier League, if they haven't got a leader like they used to have
1: in the past. You, you spoke about Everett, He called the vintage he played against. They're apparently called babies. When you said you looked in the, in the dressing room and you could see they were soft or they weren't ready, what, what does that look like? What's that body language of a player where you go, we've got them already? And did you guys plan and talk about that going into the game specifically against Arsenal?
2: Yeah. You know, that, that, was, that was a game plan. Intimidate. You know, just you know, first tackles, uh, first one-on-ones. You know, just get stuck in because you you could sort of see in the tunnel. It was more sort of body language. You know, people from their shoulders, looking out, or you know, you just seen. You know, you couldn't see in the eyes that they were like, yeah, gloves on. Yeah, (laughs) you know, yeah, gloves on. You know, long sleeves. It was just you know, maybe jacket on, and you you know, just you know, just the body language was was a sign, and then you just knew you you had to the first ten minutes, and then it was game over. And I think we beat them three three years in a row because, yeah, they, they didn't turn up.
3: Everyone knows a story about uh, Keane and Vie- uh, Vieira in the tunnel and, you know, trying to intimidate each other and Vieira stood up to him. And, and, and so that showed that, that that how strong Arsenal were back then. And because of Vieira, that is. And uh, I recall when we uh, didn't qualify against Uruguay, we actually lost... Before the game at the airport, because we showed our fear in terms of what are we getting here? Because we, we got abused when we arrived in Uruguay, in Montevideo, and and, uh, and they, they, they knew what they were doing, the Uruguayans. Whereas four years later, in the tunnel as we're going out at the Stadium Australia, um, Tony Popovich uh, confronted... Uh, well, Cengen Morales confronted Tony Popovich and there was the wrong person to do it to because Popper did not back down. And so, again, talking about the tunnel, games can be won or lost in the tunnel or before a game. And uh, and it's interesting that uh, you say that about Arsenal because I still think they have the same um, weakness in their yeah, side.
1: It's amazing that hasn't changed. You, you guys loved that... Uh did you you were aware of that? Can they do it on a cold, wet, windy night at Stoke? Thing? Did, is that something you guys really bought
2: into? No, it's something like that. The fans brought into and and you, you were always. It, it sort of became a, like Wenger was always there, frustrated, waving his arms, <laughs> and, then, and the fans started. So whatever he got off the bench and started waving his, you know, because obviously he wanted free kicks all the time and he felt he was being bullied and. And, and the whole crowd was waving their arms and I think it, it sort of got in uh, and that's where I got in trouble after one <laughs> of the games where I sort of commented that I thought they were lacking a bit of uh, oomph uh, you know, <laughs> in general and uh, he didn't take that uh, too lightly but uh, uh, there was probably some truth in it.
1: Oh, great stuff. Great stories. Um, John, your advice to James Madison if Manchester United approach in January or the summer
3: at Leicester is? Wait to see who the manager is. And also, wait to see, because it's talking about uh, that they might sell the club, the owners, and there might be different owners coming in. So you can't deny that Manchester United are a massive club and they're bigger than Leicester. But at the moment, Leicester are a better football team and they've got a top manager. And James Madison, for his football career, is better to stay there at the moment. But that could change very quickly, they, they, and, and that depends on who Man United uh, go with, if they stay with Solskjaer, if they, they sign more players, um, and uh, and what happens with the ownership there.
1: Thomas, we saw this morning, moving on to the next topic, Bayern Munich win 3-2 at Olympiacos. But uh, Champions League going well. Domestically, it's a real fight. Uh, as John mentioned a bit earlier, I think it's no, uh, two points between the top nine. So I ask
2: you, the Bundesliga Liga title race is... Up for grabs, open, you know, and it's great to see because you know normally you don't get that. No, no, it's no, buying a fifteen <laughs> points ahead, and, and it's done by halfway. You know, that's a, I, you know, it's great to see that somebody is, is 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 breathing down their neck, and and not just Dortmund or one team. It, it's four or five, and you know that that's that's what you want. A bit like you know the the, the Premier League has been. I know you know maybe now it's a two horse race, but but in general, you know, you won that. You know, you just. You want that excitement, and 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 because it breeds talk, and it breeds. If it's just one team out there, it's sort of. You know, then you're looking at relegation and European space uh, places, and, and it's not that exciting. You know, you want you want the championship to go down to the wire, and, and hopefully we can have one of those season in Germany.
1: So, Borussia Munchen, Gladbach, and Wolfsburg are on 16 points. You got Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, and RB Leipzig on 15. Freiburg, Schalke, Untrecht, Frankfurt, and Bayer Leverkusen on 14, and then Hertha Berlin and Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim on 11. Great stuff.
3: It is great stuff. Freiburg, where Borrello is. And uh, look, I actually th- still believe that Bayern Munich have got the team to go on and win it. But uh, what a great start to, to have so many teams so close. You don't know who's going to win on the weekend. You know They're all playing each other still. Who do you pick? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I still think it will be between Bayern Munich and Dortmund.
1: Speaking of Borrello, young Australian players... Um, the young player you'd like to see break through this season in the A League is,
2: oh, um, you know, there's a couple uh, at at Melbourne City. I think Connor Metcalf is is a very interesting player. I think he's, you know, I've followed his sort of development. Uh, he's got the right attitude uh, and got a few chances in the last season, and I think he could develop into a very very good uh, midfield player. You know, he's got a little bit of steel into him you know, a little bit of nastiness when he needs to, but he also got a bit of finesse and got a good strike. So I think all around, you know, I think this year, you know, I think we'll see a, a breakthrough and and he'll he'll only get better from here.
3: I would like to see um, a young player at Brisbane Roar, Jordan Courtney. He's actually away with the under-17 national team. They're, they're in Brazil uh, preparing for the World Cup. And um, he did play a few pre-season friendlies. He's a left-sided centre-back at I uh, brought him in when I was at Brisbane Royal training with us. Uh, he was only 15 at the time, but he's, he's a big boy. He's left footer, uh, can defend. and uh, He reminds me a little bit of Curtis Good when Curtis Good started to come through. Curtis Good was unlucky with a lot of the injuries that he's had during his career, but he was a real talent. Um, so hopefully Jordan Courtney can get his opportunity and still develop and progress and, and play in enough games.
0: Oh, he's a good yarn
1: spoke about Diego Costa a bit earlier. How about this from Kieran Trippier, who said during the week that since he's moved to Atletico Madrid, Diego Costa calls me Rooney 10 times a day. Br- brilliant stuff if you can keep it out of your head. <laughs> what was the funniest nickname or sledge or, or piece of banter you copped or gave or heard amongst the dressing room? Oh, that's probably a,
2: a few that we can't mention. Yeah. <laughs> the, G- <laughs> the G-rated version. So the G-rated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, again... You know, I think there's there's loads of, of nicknames, you know, for, for whatever reason. Now We had a, a captain, uh, Ryan Shawcross at, at Stoke, who had a, you know, he, his, his head was quite massive. And uh, he was just <laughs> called, he, he, he was a great head of the ball, but uh, he was just called head. Uh, <laughs> Uh, There comes the head, Uh, you know, so, you know, there's some funny things and there's some, you know, sometimes some some nasty ones and, uh, you know, I I think the Diego Costa one is is sort of borderline uh, (laughs) nasty, but, uh, but yeah, there's funny things.
3: Yeah, look, uh, I love the South Americans that I uh, played with or against, and uh, they used to like give players nicknames, but from a very early age, and will stick their whole career, like Pato Rodriguez, which means duck, um, Pato, and then and then you got uh, Tiburon, it's shark, um, and then you got Pulpo, and I was like, oh, this is strange, <laughs> and and they, actually the commentators were actually give them their nicknames and keep them and uh, so that's how they'll commentate in their games but um, yeah like Thomas there's uh, a lot that we can't probably say <laughs> on air
1: no we'll save that one save that one for the for the PG Raider one we we'll produce a, bit, a little bit later on this season uh, another story Chichester City they're the lowest ranked team in the FA Cup and they received a buy how good's that going into the second round and received $36,000 in prize money which by chance uh, they're it to Bury FC to try save them so that's a nice little anecdote but I was just thinking off that what moment in your critics? Imagine that for the players, they get that free passage into the second round. What was the moment for you in your time? You had a fairy tale or something. You were like, just how good is
2: this? But I think it happens every year. It's, it, that's the magic of, of of the cup. You know, you get the small teams like here who who live out their dreams, and and you can you can sort of. You know, I saw the celebrations yesterday. You know, to get a bye. I thought you you must be <laughs> celebrating if you draw, but <laughs> to not play, you get. A, uh, but it's fantastic to see. It just shows that you know that that enthusiasm is still alive. You know, I I, I sort of, you know, you know, I'm, you know, you beat a, a big team. I, we beat Manchester United one year when I was at Sunderland in, in the League Cup, and um, it, that was just a, a fantastic, uh, you know, fantastic for the fans and for ourselves, you know, just to knock out one of the, the, the big teams. So, But I can even, you know, imagine how much more, and then financially as well, for these small clubs to, you know, to to, to, to get that.
3: Yeah, fairy tales, uh, look, I can't really recall um, a fairy tale uh, uh, during my career, but I, the Leicester story is still a massive uh, fairy tale for me. To, to actually, for them to win the Premier League, out of nowhere, I, I think that the next closest was Blackburn, but at the time Blackburn paid a lot of money and, and had a, a lot of good players. You know, Alan Shearer, um, you know, the international. But uh, Leicester, yeah, that, that that's still an amazing story.
1: You almost have to pinch yourself, still, that that uh, that actually happened. It's almost like it was a moment in time that it, it's almost fan- well, that is Fantasyland, it really is for their fans. He said what? Mm, Patrice Efra is getting a bit of a run in this podcast, but why not? Because he's. He's been doing some really compelling interviews uh, in, in the UK. And this one before oh, on the weekend, uh, he said, the game kicked, he was talking about his pre-match routine and on his debut, I think it was, this happened to him. The game kicked off at 12.45pm, which was unusual for me as a Frenchman. I'm not big on traditional breakfast, so I didn't know what to eat to get ready. I went for pasta and beans and I got sick. I was vomiting. I went to my room wondering what to do. Should I tell Ferguson that I can't play? Well, you can't do that can you and he goes on to talk about how um, he was absolutely at all sorts during the game copped an elbow in the game had to be taken off at half time on which in the half time speech Ferguson goes you Patrice that's enough for you you sit down now and watch because you have to learn English football did you ever get one wrong like that in your time where you were your pre-match routine
3: Oh, you, you, not that you get it wrong the, you go into games not feeling good that that's definite the, the, you might go into a game with a temperature or, or, or you know you, you've been sick the flu or, or whatever else I, I recalled my first uh, start in Spain that um, I didn't start in the I think it was the first eight or nine games I was coming in off the bench and then um, that week there we we're playing Mallorca and I knew I was in the starting 11 and my back sort of seized up on me before the game and this was like two days before the game and I was thinking, I can't pull out. I can't. I, I need this is my opportunity to get my starting 11 spot and um, pop the Voltar and make sure that I did everything possible to, to get out there and play. And I played. You're not at 100%, but I can't remember really feeling 100% in, in many games in my career because you just play with injuries.
2: Yeah, no, it's when you play for many years, you know, you've come across that so many times. And I think the golden rule is. If you can play, you play because you, you, there's a place at stake, and uh, and again, there's also this stigma. I think a lot of managers, especially in my early years, and probably you, you know, you know, don't be called out as being soft. Yeah, you know, like you go through, you run through a wall. Like, yeah, you might be sort of going on the pitch with a broken leg, but you still, <laughs> you still play. Uh, you know, so uh, and and again, you know, I I, I managed to get caught out with that actually being too honest with that because I uh, that was my time at Stoke and, and I had a, an elbow problem that I'd been playing with for for, for four or five games and, and it was really bothering me and, and the manager came up uh, on one morning before a game and said how's your elbow how's it going and and I was like yeah you know it's it's sore you know i I'm, you know again but I, I'll get through it and he says no 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 okay you know I'll, I'll sit you for this game I'll sit you out. And I, I, didn't, you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll spare you, and you can get right. And you know, I, I think I, I missed the next sixteen games because the keeper that came in played well, and you know. So those sort of things, it, it is a di- dilemma as a player. You know, sometimes do, do, do you, you know, how far do you go yeah. down the line playing or not playing? Yeah, and can you get, can you get yourself
1: worked up like you say that you knew two days out, and uh, in this instance, Patrice Evra worked himself into a, a bit of a lather by the time the game started. He can, he almost. Uh, you know, how how the mental fight is when you go I'm not right I'm right I'm not right I'm right it is a
3: mental fight you you know you'll be sitting on the couch at home you know trying to uh, relax and, and and make sure that you're nice and fresh and you and you, you move and you'll be going oh well, that hurt oh and, and and it's in your head a lot but uh, sometimes you play your best games when you don't quite feel right too because you're not focused so much on the game itself. You're focused more on making sure your, your body's right and uh, you, then you can go into a game and, and score a couple of goals. But I, I noticed even coaching, you'd find players that would always have something and uh, before a game. And uh, I think there was a little bit of nerves as well because, uh, you know, they, they, they just felt something. So you knew that they would be okay. As a coach, you, a lot of the time you would see the way they're moving anyway if they're right to play and it, or if they're
2: not. It's funny sitting in a dressing room because it, it's a, <laughs> it, it's, there's some things going on there. Different routines. Yeah, different <laughs> routines. And I, I used to, I, back in, like, that's a few years ago, earlier in my career, I played with a player. You always, like, you, uh, not like every single game, but you went to the toilet and was sick in the toilet before the game. And, yeah. and you're thinking, oh, he must be dead nervous. And probably was, but as soon as you got out over the line, you know, Probably man of the match, you know, so, so it, there's different things going on and, and I always, you know, when you don't feel right, the adrenaline, when you get out there, when, when you hear the fans, the roar, the, the game kicks off, you forget about, yeah, you had a little niggle or, yeah, you had a headache and those sort of things go away. So sometimes you just need to push yourself, you know, just over the line and, and eventually, as Johnny said, you might have a, a crack of a game.
3: The toilet is always usually full. A game day because there's always players in the toilet because and it's the nerves kicking in. It's whether they're being sick or whether they have to go to the toilet and do something else. But it is it is that as well. It, it's, uh, it's 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 um, a weird feeling. Um, but like you said, when you cross the line, you're ready to go.
1: Oh, it's like pre-game doing punditry, isn't it? You, you don't want to go near that, that part of the <laughs> Don't want to be the last one in there, <laughs> sure. um, Milner uh, um Patrice Evra also mentioned James Milner was the best winger he played against. That's
3: surprising. Like he's,
1: he's, <laughs> let's talk about two players he played against, Messi and Ronaldo.
3: Yeah, that's surprising. Good work rate, uh, great player. Let, let's not take anything from James Milner, but you wouldn't put him at the top of your not even top 20 in the world. It, uh, you know Surely Messi, Ronaldo and these players here are just as good, but he probably knew he was going to get an honest game from a James Milner and, and that's probably what he was trying to say. I knew I was always going to get a tough game and, and, and someone that was going to work me both ways, not only going forward, but if I wanted uh, to attack, I knew that I had someone that was going to chase me back and defend, whereas Messi and Ronaldo wouldn't do that. So, yeah, that's probably what he was getting at.
2: Yeah, no, I, I played with him at, at Aston Villa and, uh, you know, s- super guy, super professional team player and I think you allude to the right things. You know, he just, week in, week out, 100%, you know, never lets you down and, and as an opposition player, I, I personally always used to hate the strikers that chased down every single ball. You never had a time to just ease on it. Uh, yeah, they, they might not be best players in the world but they were still in your mind, they were still frustrating you And uh, and, and I think that's also... And a great characteristic, and, and, you know, he's, again, he's got qualities as well other than he's w-
1: Was there a teammate like him or an opponent like him who you would just, if you had to pick the first man to go with you to this, you know, proverbial battle, so to speak, who, who would that be?
3: Oh, there was plenty as a player. As a coach, I would say Matt McKay was one of those players that you knew what he was going to give you. Uh, you knew that he was going to give you 100% every single game, and, you know, probably not be a, a 9 out of 10, but always a 7, and uh, and so you could count on him and trust him, and uh, and then your teammates or your your players that you're coaching know that they can turn to him because they know that he's going to be the one that will always uh, lead. But I remember in, in Spain playing with Osasuna, uh, a player that I always wanted on my team was the Uruguayan Pablo Garcia, and uh, that was as much because he was a, a good player that he was uh, quite rough, and, and he didn't want to
1: fight against him. Yeah. If he's in your team, not you're not playing against. <laughs> yeah, <him>. that's right. <laughs>
2: You know, I I, I play with uh, Thomas Gravers in the Danish team, and and uh, you know a very very good player, but probably more known for his uh, aggression, and uh, and and again, similar to that. you, you you loved having players that you know will fight and will, you know, will do the dirty things and, and uh, get the tackles in. And uh, yeah, that, that in intimidation as well. It's great to have that, you know, like you, you talked about Popovich in, in, the, in the tunnel. You know, to have those that stand up for the team and uh, that you know is on your side and, and will go through water for everything uh, to fire. You know, that, that's, that's fantastic. And uh, for me, that's the first ones you want on the team sheet.
1: Hey, by the way, is the boring James Milner Twitter account unfair?
2: I don't. I've seen that it,
1: one. So. No, 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 I've heard no, about no, it. I'm but not but on Twitter. You <laughs> should know that, though. <laughs> I oh, no, no, I've never seen you on it. You're in you? the wrong crowd here. Yeah. <laughs> John's just got an amazing knowledge of what goes on on social media from, <laughs> from just word of mouth. <laughs> I've got, don't
3: forget, I've got three daughters. They're all on social media.
1: <laughs> and plenty of spies. Got spies Ace, what a weekend. We're going to get through three days of European action and then come the weekend. So it's seven days straight of live football on Optus Sports. Saturday morning kicks off 6am with Southampton against Leicester City. The Saturday on action kicks off with Manchester City against Aston Villa at the very friendly time of 10.30pm before a suite of games probably headlined by Burnley against Chelsea at 3.30 in the morning. And then we turn our attention to a very, very big Sunday night with Newcastle United against Wolves 1am Monday, Arsenal-Crystal Palace, Liverpool-Spurs, Norwich-Manchester United, all at 3.30. Tip for the Tottenham-Liverpool game. Will Pochettino take lessons from what Solskjaer did or is this a chance to go out and turn their season around? You could even go that big.
3: I don't think that they'll copy what Manchester United did because he's got different sorts of players. Um, he has played uh, with uh, five at the back before and and I didn't think it suited Tottenham. I think it will stick to his formation that he's been playing. Um, I thought they did really well against Red Star. They will probably sit a little bit deeper like they did against Red Star and try and catch Liverpool on the break because Liverpool... As we know, like to get their full-backs forward early. So if you can win the ball and actually try and break on them in wide areas, uh, you can get some joy. But Liverpool will be too strong at home. Uh, Anfield, uh, Liverpool, uh, I think the team that uh, can go all the way this season and uh, I think they'll beat
2: Tottenham. I think Tottenham need a bit of luck. But sometimes to turn your season around, you need that. Uh, I think for me, it would be interesting to see you know does he stick with the team selection uh was Alderweireld and and Rose out for good or will they be brought back were they rested or, or how does he see that situation now with them performing so well midweek um so so that'll be interesting uh, tactically uh, to see how he approaches
1: okay so that was the, what was the tip it was it was a Liverpool, Liverpool win and, and a draw
2: a draw what else takes your fancy
1: this weekend
3: You always want to see the top teams and see how they're going to go. So your Man City's, your Chelsea's. I've really been impressed with Chelsea. I read a good comment um, yesterday, I think it was, about Chelsea that everyone in the off-season thought because Frank Lampard's first major role um, and he's a relatively inexperienced coach, because they couldn't sign in the summer, uh, players that uh, they would struggle this year, but what it has unearthed, it's unearthed a lot of young, talented players, and also it's created depth in their squad. And so, you know, they're sitting nicely. Um, I, I think they're improving all the time. They can score goals, uh, and um, and now their defense is starting to look strong as well.
2: You know, you know, again, I'm, I'm really impressed with Leicester. I think that they've done a great job. I think. Re- Brendan Rogers has come in and, and, and turned them around again. And, um, you know, again, you, you look and they, they dig out results and they're, they're right up there. And, and that's really impressive uh, to me. So for me, you know, I always look out and obviously I know Casper's Michael there. So, so that, I'm pleased for them.
1: Yeah, 6 a.m. Saturday morning. Nice way to start to see if they can maintain their place in the top four. Gents, great chat, great day. Uh, get some rest and we'll do it all again Thursday for another big suite of Champions League games. Thanks, Dave. It's Thank been great. You. Great stuff. And to all of you out there, as always, until the next and Pod, enjoy your football.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news.